This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevatechurch.com. Hey, for those of you that are like, what is this all about? This is my first time coming to Elevate Church, and this is super weird right now. Listen, I, I, wanna, I wanna welcome you. My name's Colby, I'm the pastor here, and you're gonna experience uh, something that we, we can't wait to do, that we love to do. One of our favorite days ever is these baptism Sundays where people go public with their faith, and it kind of happens right in the middle of a series we're doing called Search, where week one, we talked about really the biggest and greatest question that many people have regarding God, and that is, if God is so good, why do bad things happen? You know, if God is so good, why does he allow suffering, you know, in our world? And I would encourage you, if you weren't here for that, you can go back on the the app or the podcast and listen to it. Last week, we talked about uh, how can I feel God? Like, if he's present in my life, why don't I feel him there? And do I have a part to play, and by the way, you do, in God's presence in your life? And we talked about that last week. This week, here's the question we're gonna talk about really leading us into baptism, and that is this. What does it mean to follow? Like, what does it really mean to follow Jesus? Here's what I believe. Following is something that, in today's world of social media, that we take as casual, because I can follow someone or I can unfollow someone as much as I, I like, right? I'm not, I'm not huge into social media. A lot of you know that. A lot of you tried following me on Instagram and you're like, this dude is boring. I know, I'm boring, all right? Just throw that out there. I will like post something once a week, maybe. Um, and on, on a good week, I'll post a lot of pictures of my kids. And then the next month, maybe nothing at all. I just, I don't care, whatever. It is what it is. But there are people that I follow. There are people that, that I wanna hear from. I wanna know what's going on in their life. There are a lot of pastors and leaders that I will follow just to kind of see, so get some inspiration or some encouragement for the day. But there are some other people that you follow, and come on, you know this, that sometimes it's just too much. You know what I'm saying? Come on, people. It's just too much. Like your pictures of you at the gym every day, like five pictures a day, like, Jim Strong, hashtag, don't skip leg day, you know? Your selfies in the mirror while you're doing some curls, it's just too much, all right? And then you're leaving the gym, you're like, leaving the gym, another selfie, you know, starting the day strong, hashtag, punch today in the face, you know, whatever it is. It's just too much. And, and, and honestly, if I just be honest, people don't care. We don't care how much you bench press. We don't care how much you leg press, how much you squat. Nobody cares. I know some of you would argue and be like, yeah, 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 well, my 17 likes tells a different story. (laughs) Can I just be honest? They are liking that publicly. Privately, they're laughing about you. They are. They're making fun of you. And I'm trying to set you free in Jesus' name today, all right? (laughs) So just be free. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. 
And that's fine, do, do whatever you want because here's the great thing about following and unfollowing is because there's this little button, right? That if I've had enough, enough is enough, I'll be like, I don't wanna see you anymore, Jack. I can hit that button that says unfollow, done. And that makes me feel powerful. Doesn't that make you feel powerful? Like enough. Here's though what I think we've done. I think we've brought this whole idea of unfollow, like, unlike, you know, click, unclick, follow, unfollow into, into the church. In fact, we brought this into our relationship with Jesus. And it's been this kind of casual thing. I'll follow Jesus when it's convenient. I'll follow Jesus, you know, as a, it's just casual. It's kind of this flippant kind of following of who Jesus is. And it was never meant to be like that. My prayer is today that you would see that. That what does it really mean for us to follow? I was thinking about that word follow and thinking about that phrase, right? I have decided to follow Jesus. I grew up in a church where we sang that song, and many of you did. It, it kind of Billy Graham, you know, used to do these at all of his crusades, the song, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. I don't know if you remember that song. I looked up this week where that song came from, and did you know there's a story behind the song? Those lyrics were actually written because of something that happened in the 19th century um, in, a, in a Hindu village. So about 200 years ago in a Hindu village, a family decided they were gonna convert to Christianity. And so they did. They decided they were gonna follow Jesus, but that was unheard of. In fact, the villagers found out in this village and said, uh-uh, they drug this family out of their, their homes, put them in the center of the village and said, if you don't renounce your faith in Jesus, we're gonna execute you. And so it's written that what this father, his name was Assam, said, he said, I have decided to follow Jesus. And they said, hey, we're not playing. And they grabbed his wife, they brought her into the middle of the village, and they executed her right in front of him. And his next words were, no turning back, no turning back. And it, and it said that as they were killing him, the final things out of his mouth were, the, the world behind me is what he said, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning. That, that kind of takes this whole idea of following to a, a new level, doesn't it? It's a little bit more serious, I think, than we've made it out to be. Following Jesus is not like when it's convenient, like, unlike, follow, unfollow. And so I wanna talk to you today before we kind of celebrate baptism uh, about what Jesus has to say about following him. I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm not going to give you my thoughts. I try not to do that so much. I want to tell you exactly what Jesus said when it comes to following him. Mark chapter 8 verse 27 says this, Jesus and his disciples went on to the village, villages around Caesarea Philippi. Now that's an important note. If you've ever gone to Israel or if you plan to go one day, chances are you're gonna visit Caesarea Philippi. It's in the northernmost tip of Israel. It's kind of close to Mount Hermon, I think, which is the highest elevation uh, in Israel. And there's a lot surrounding that I don't have time to get into. But here's something you need to know about Jesus. He never went anywhere or said anything on accident. That his life, his whole life was about purpose. And so he lived with purpose. So where he went is huge. 
Context is, is everything. So Jesus, when saying, hey, I'm gonna start my church, I'm gonna build my church upon this rock, I'm gonna build my church, this is where he went. Caesarea Philippi was a hotbed for pagan worship is what it was. It was kind of, it'd be like Las Vegas today. Anything goes, you wanna do something, you know, you just, you wanna satisfy whatever needs you have, go to Caesarea Philippi. So that's where Jesus went. And I don't want you to miss that, that context. In, in Caesarea Philippi, they would worship all these pagan gods. In fact, the main one was the goat god Pan. And the way they would worship the goat god Pan is by, um, I, I don't know how else to say it, fornicating with goats. That's a bad idea right there, you know what I'm saying? It is, it is. And so Jesus intentionally brought his disciples to Caesarea Philippi to say, hey, this is why I'm here. This was what I'm about to do. In fact, I'm gonna build my church, and guess what? It's gonna be for all these people, even the nasty ones doing the nasty stuff right here. Everybody gets in on this. Everybody is welcome. And so I don't want you uh, to miss that. He goes on to say, on the way, he asked them, who do people say that I am? And they replied, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. Uh, others still say you're just one of the, the prophets. What's, what's all that about? They believed in reincarnation at this time, and so they thought maybe he came back as, as someone else. So they're very confused, verse 29. But what about you, Jesus asks? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, in the moment, steps up and gets it right. Peter didn't always get it right, as we know, but he says, you are the Christ. Right answer. All right, Peter, why do you say that, right? And he didn't really know. He knew he got the right answer. It's kind of like me uh, doing math. Like, I can get the right answer, and then when your teacher says, all right, show your work, I'm like, I don't really know uh, about that. But we understand that that this is kind of Peter said, you're the Christ. And we know that he's still confused a little bit because of what happens next, verse 30. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must, watch, watch these words, suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, killed. And these guys are thinking, hold up. Like, we thought you were gonna be the Messiah, and in their mind, Jesus was a political Messiah. Jesus was gonna uh, save them from Roman suppression. They, they didn't think this the whole killing thing. What are, what are you talking about? Um, you're gonna be killed. He says, after the three days, you know, I'm gonna rise again. Verse 32 says, he spoke plainly about this. Hey, today, we're gonna speak plainly about some things. Listen to me, we love to have fun. We like to laugh, and I really do believe uh, that church should be enjoyed, not endured. I think we should encourage one another that we should laugh and have a good time. However, there's sometimes we need to be serious too. And today, I think God's word has something serious uh, to say about this. So he spoke plainly about this, and then watch what Peter did. He took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus. And it says began, right? Because I don't think it lasted very long. I think Jesus kind of put a stop to it. I can't even believe that Peter, you know, started it. He says, I began to rebuke him, but when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter instead. Get behind me, Satan. He said, don't miss this. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. This right here is foundational to what it means to follow. In other words, are you, are you more about living for yourself or are you about 
living for God? Is this more about you and what you can get out of it? Or is this about God, you know, do you have the, the things in mind that you want or the things in mind that God wants? Verse 34, then he called to the crowd. He gathered everyone around along with his disciples and he said, if anyone would come after me. In other words, if you're going to follow. I kind of left it hanging there because this is what we want to know. Well, all right, if he's about to answer, right, the question that we're searching for. What does it mean to follow Jesus? If anyone would come after me, here's what you got to do. Pay attention. He says, you must deny yourself. That's kind of first. You want to follow, you got to deny yourself. It starts here. It starts with the realization that none of this is about me. It's not about me. That you get to the place in your life where it's not about you anymore. You must de deny yourself. And then he says, and take up his cross, right? At which when we see that, we think, oh, that sounds nice. That's a nice piece of jewelry. I like to wear it. You know, it's kind of romantic. I'll give it to a friend. You know, it makes me, it might even make you think about the price that Jesus paid for you. It's nice. When they heard this, take up his cross, they were mortified. Because for them, this has elicited some senses of, of pain and punishment and torture. That's what the cross was for them. So they're thinking, no, 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 that's too far. Take up my cross, be executed, die, die for you. This would be like you and I um, take up our cross. You know, it would be like wearing a, a, an electric chair around our neck instead of a cross. That's kind of what it would be like. And so the, in their mind, they're thinking, no. Take up our cross and, and follow you, verse 35, for whoever wants to save his life, he says, will lose it. Which, by the way, can I tell you something? You're gonna lose your life anyway. You know that, right? Like at the end of the day, we all die. Welcome to Elevate Church. My job is to encourage you. I, we all die. Like, and it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you eat vegan, you're gonna die. Like if you eat paleo and, and gluten-free and you know non-GMOs, eat soy, you are going to die. And the difference between you and me is you're gonna die with a nasty taste in your mouth. <laughs> I'm checking out of this place with a cupcake in my mouth. That's how I wanna go, all right? I'm gonna die, but I'm gonna do it eating me some good stuff. I'm just throwing that out there. But whoever loses his life, sorry, for me and for the gospel will save it. I want you to miss that. You wanna hold your life, you're actually going to lose it, but if you wanna lose your life, that's how you save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world? Think again about where he is, where people are just looking to satisfy themselves in Caesarea Philippi, whatever they want to do. He says, what good is it for a man to gain all that yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? And then watch this, if anyone is ashamed of me, don't miss that, we're coming back to that. If you're ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, then guess what, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes into his Father's glory with his holy angels. Colby, why, why are we talking about this? Here's why, we're a big church, a lot of people, and the reality is we're all at different places in this whole following thing. We're all in different places on this, this journey of following Jesus, and that's great. 
I need you to hear that. That's, I think it's awesome. I think that's what church should look like. We should have people that you're so far from God and you walk through these doors and you're, you're desperate. Maybe you're looking for something. We are so glad you're here. And then we have other people that are fully committed, fully devoted to following Jesus. We're so glad that you're, you're here. But we're all in different places on this whole idea of, of following Jesus and this journey that we're on. And so in this series uh, called Search, I wanna encourage you to take your search seriously. Your search in pursuing God, your search in finding out why you were created, finding out what next step you need to take. See, most people think, if I'm truly gonna live it up, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna, if I'm gonna live my life, I'm gonna need to do my best to live it up. But what Jesus says is contrary to that. He says, if you wanna find your life, you need to lose it. Not live it up, but you need to lose it. And what you're gonna discover is that by losing your life is the only way to save it. Luke kind of tells this the same story and I won't reiterate the whole thing, but he adds one word in chapter nine, verse 23. I want us to read it. He said, then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, deny himself. Yep, we got that. Take up his cross. We got that. What's this next word? Play along. What's this next word? Daily. As if to say, there's a step that you have to take Daily that this is a, a process, that this is a journey that doesn't end, that we all have another step to take in following Jesus. So what does that look like? I wanna give you five steps to following Jesus. Write this down. The first is the crowd. It's the crowd. You need to know that Jesus' first appeal was always to the crowd, that anyone was welcome. His appeal to the crowd is this. Write it down. It's come and see. And by the way, this is what we do. This is what the weekend is for. We just say, hey, anyone and everyone, no matter your background, no matter what you've done, we, we want to appeal to you. We want to create an environment where you can just come and see and not see us, but we're going to point you to someone who can change you, who wants to save you, who wants to free you. His name is Jesus. Is not anyone on this platform ever. The attention and focus is not on us. Just come and see. And so this church, and we don't apologize for that, by the way. We don't try to hide that fact. We don't, we don't try to make excuses for that. That's who we are. Our weekends are largely in part for the crowd. Man, come and see. We have the best news to share with you. And we wanna tell you, which by the way, uh, Jesus' first appeal to Peter wasn't Mark 8, wasn't, you know, wasn't you know, what he wanted to do. It was in Luke 5 where he, he, he met Peter and he said, come and see. And the first thing Jesus did for Peter wasn't to say, hey, you gotta change this, you gotta change this, uh, you know, you, you, need to, you need to change this about yourself, I don't like this, that's not what he, do you remember the first thing that Jesus did for Peter? He filled his boat with fish. And Peter's like, I like that guy right there, right? Like He filled my boat with fish, I'm gonna follow him. And so that's kind of the first appeal that Jesus makes. It's kind of the first level he would appeal to the crowd to come and see. So check it out, kick the tires, you know, test drive, faith, have questions, that's great, but here's what you need to know, that's not the end, not even close. It's a means to the end, but there's another step, there's another level, and that would be the congregation, write that down. I know that's a, a churchy word, but at some point it's saying, hey, if you like what you see, then you need to be a part of it. So this is the come and join. And I wanna personally invite you to do that. 
Now, now listen to me. If you're here in the crowd, come and see, kind of level in your life right now, that's okay. And I want you to hear my heart on this. Stay there as long as you want. As long as you need to kick the tires, as long as you need to check this thing out, that's fine. But there is more, and I want to invite you to experience more. It's come and, come and join, come and be a part of this thing. In fact, uh, if this were me, just checking out a brand new church, and I was, I was where you are, and I stepped foot in Elevate Church for the first time, straight up being honest, it would take me about two to three months to decide, am I gonna go all in? It really would. I'd wanna figure out what the mission is, what the vision is, what this church is all about. Is the pastor as crazy as he seems to be? Yes, I am. I wanna figure that stuff out, right? And so I understand that if that's where you are. My wife and I, our dream was to always create uh, an environment where people who love Jesus could worship, could engage, could feel refreshed, could feel challenged in the word and, and to, to come to church, but for also those who didn't love Jesus yet. Those who weren't church people yet could also feel welcome. So, so come and hang out, but just know that there is more. I wanna be clear that there is another step, and that's the invitation to join us. And I'm not talking membership. We don't do membership. Country clubs do membership, all right? We don't do that. In fact, we loosely use the term ownership. And just come and be a part. You change the language from your church to this is my church. And in fact, the best place to do that, to, to have this sense of belonging, is in a small group. And this is not a plug for one, but just ask anybody that's in one. And they will tell you it, it's, it, it changed their life. So that's the congregation. Then the next level is the committed. The committed. These are the people that are saying, I want more. I know salvation is not the finish line, it's the starting line. That I want, there's got to be something more. So this is the come and grow. And this is all about, by the way, intentionality. I'm intentionally gonna discover, I'm intentionally gonna find out what it is that God wants me to do in these areas of my life. Say, for example, you're like, in your finances, I wanna get out of debt, I wanna handle money God's way, I'm gonna come and grow, so you might sign up for FPU, Financial Peace University. There's one going on right now, it's like a few weeks left in that class, but we'll run that every season. Like, that, that's for you, or you wanna say, I wanna strengthen my marriage. How can I be a better husband? How can I be a better father, you know? And so you get into a small group that's all about that. Or maybe I wanna find the foundations of my faith. So you jump in a fresh start class that we have here as well. It's 10 weeks to take you through some of the fundamentals of your, your faith. This is the come and grow. I know there's got to be more in these areas of my, my life. And those are, are the, the committed, the come and grow. The fourth level is the core. And this is the come and serve. This is the, hey, where can you use me? I know I can make an impact. I can, I can operate a camera. What's up, camera brother? Love you, man. I know I can do some lights. I know I can, I know I can hold babies in the back while, while a, a mother is able to engage in a worship service. I, I know I can play a, a guitar. I know I can, I can sing. Let us be the judge if you can sing. I know I can, I can hold a door. I can park people. Colby, where do you need me? And so which people will say, is this really a part of following? Is this really a step in following Jesus? Yes. You are never more like Christ than when you serve. Did you know that? And again, don't take my word for it. Like ask anyone who, who sits one and serves one every single week of this church. Ask anyone who 
worships one and serves one and ask them what their favorite worship service is, they'll say it's the one they served. It's not the one they sat in here and listened to me or sang songs. They'll say it was the moment they got to lead a child back there, their eyes opened to who Jesus was, what he did for them, and they led them in a prayer to receive Christ into their heart. They'll say that was my favorite worship service ever, the moment that I served. Again, don't take my word for it. Ask them. In fact, can we right now just give an applause for those that serve in this church? Like, come on, let's let them hear you in the back in our kids' area, making coffee. They really are the core. They really are the heartbeat. We really can't even do any of this without them. And you guys know this. Our church is largely built around these four. But Jesus says, hey, there's another level, and that is the commissioned. The commissioned. This is more than uh, I'm gonna sit one and serve one. This is more than I'm gonna, I'm just gonna worship and and I'm gonna serve once once a, a month or be a part of this event. The commissioned is I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my my whole life to serve you. And by the way, this doesn't mean going to seminary. This doesn't mean, you know, becoming a pastor. What it does mean is that you realize your responsibility to be a pastor and a priest in your own home. It means you realize your responsibility to, to maybe pastor someone in a small group that you have something to teach. It means that as a student at a high school at Fort LaBeouf or, or McLean or, or McDowell, 11th, 12th grader, that you're not just going to school, that you are there to be a light on a hill, that you are commissioned, that God has created you on purpose with a purpose, right? That's what it means. It means that as you go to GE to work your job, you're not just an employee. You are there to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It means that you leverage everything that you have. By the way, this is come and die. This is, this is the guts of it. Where Jesus says you must take up your cross, deny yourself, follow, come and die. It doesn't mean your, your lifestyle completely changes. It just means that you understand that it's not the separation between your life and your Christian life, that it's all just life. And that God wants to use every bit of your life to make an impact for his kingdom. It means go to the Steelers game, knock yourself out, have a great time, but take some people that don't know Jesus and figure out a way to use that tailgate to tell them about him. It means that you bring it all into your life. Are you guys getting this? You understand what this is? And so here's why I'm saying this is because every single one of you is somewhere on this list. Can you identify it? Like right now, do you you have a good idea of of where you fall? Are you in the crowd? You're checking this thing out? And if so, again, that's great. You're part of the congregation. Are you committed? You're the core. Are you commissioned? Here's the thing, once you identify it, that's, that's a great start, but now you need to know what your next step is. Here's my guarantee to you, church. If you continue to figure out where you are and you continually figure out what your next step is, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter the troubles that you face, no matter the hurt that you experience, the pain that you have, the joys, the celebrations, you will feel like fulfilled because you are following the example of Christ. You are becoming more and more like Jesus. And honestly, this is my job. This is, this is what I love to do. 
Like, I'm not really a smart guy. You guys know that. Don't laugh because you're going to hurt my feelings. <laughs> but I love to show you the next steps that you need to take. Like, that's why throughout Scripture, right, pastors are called shepherds. So my job is to take you to a better pasture to, to some better food source, right, than what you're experiencing right now. Because some of you, maybe you're, you're in the congregation, you're like, man, it's awesome. This pasture right here is great. I'm loving me this grass right here. And I'm like, well, you think that's good? Like, wait till you get here. Like, I, 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 you think that field is good? Uh, let me give you this field over here. This field is ridiculous. This field tastes like coconut shrimp, right? This field is awesome. You're stuck eating this stuff. I got something better for you. And I feel like that's really my job, is to help you identify those next steps that you need to take. That's why, as we kind of close this thing, for those of you that are really in these first couple steps, maybe three steps, and there's a lot of you, by the way. Like, just last week, we had 21 people make a decision for Jesus. That's amazing. This last month, uh, with Easter and all that, there's hundreds of people that have made a decision for Jesus. The last year, you know, the last six years, thousands and thousands of people who made a decision for Jesus. And so you find yourself in one of these kind of first kind of steps, these first levels, and you might be asking, all right, so what is, what's my next step? Colby, what is my absolute next step after saying yes to Jesus, after surrendering my life to him. Well, I'm so glad that you asked. I want to show it to you. Acts 2.41 says, those who accepted his message were baptized. Baptized. Throughout scripture, your first response that you see, the first action step that someone takes after meeting Jesus, and this is important to note, it's after, it's never before, and we're going to talk about that, after meeting Jesus is to get baptized is to publicly demonstrate that you placed your faith in Jesus through water, baptism. And a lot of times, here's what we do in the church world. We'll sign up for it. We'll put it on the calendar. We'll schedule it. We'll, we'll get our friends together. And that's all great. That's, that's fine. And we do that, that as well. However, in the Bible, just so you know, there was no sign-ups. It was always spontaneous, it was always in the moment. It was always, I committed my life to Jesus. My next step is to go public with that commitment and I'm going to do it. Everyone was baptized and it was never out of convenience. It was always out of conviction. It was never out of convenience. It was always out of obedience and this is what Jesus asks us to do as his followers. And I say that because many of you, probably in this room, are like me. You had a baptism experience when you were a child or when you were an infant. Um, I was baptized, just so you know, by my, my grandfather in the Methodist church as, as a baby. And you know what I remember about that day? Nothing. Like nothing. I was probably terrified. I, I don't even know. I was, a, I was a baby. And many of you in this room were baptized as babies in the Catholic church or in the Methodist church. And let me tell you something about that day. It was an amazing day. It was a significant day. It was a meaningful day for your parents. And so I'm gonna challenge you and encourage you in just a moment, if you've said yes to Jesus since then, 
and you've never been baptized to get baptized, not to negate what they wanted for you, but maybe in fulfillment of it. Because that day they set you apart, they were saying, man, I, we're basically, because we do child dedication here at Elevate Church, um, we believe baptism is for believers. For those who have made that declaration, I wanna follow Jesus, they've, they've surrendered their life. So I'm gonna challenge you, if, you've, if you got baptized before you made that decision, to today, not out of convenience, but out of obedience to get baptized. And I know there's all kinds of things running through your brain right now. We're gonna get, we're gonna get to those. Um, but we've been, like last night alone, we baptized like 30 people walk through. And that's awesome that we got to celebrate with them. And many of them didn't come prepared. Many of them were baptized as infants. But here's the thing, you can't, here's what baptism is. A, a simple definition, it's your first step after meeting Jesus to publicly demonstrate your decision to follow him. You can't publicly demonstrate a decision to follow Jesus if you never made one. And so I'll just encourage you in just a few moments to take that step. If, if that's your next step in following Jesus is to get, get baptized, get baptized. So if you're one of those that made a decision in the last month, last couple months, last year, last 10 years, 20 years, doesn't matter. I'm gonna encourage you in just a moment to get baptized. Why would I do that? Here's why. I'm always going to give you the why. The first reason is this, to follow the example of Jesus. Hey, if, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. It should be good enough for us. So follow his example. Baptism is called the, the wedding band of the Christian faith. Um, it's, it's like wearing this, this wedding ring, right? This wedding ring doesn't make me married. It's just a symbol that I am married. Somebody decided at some point to put some metal around your finger, and that's a good idea to show others that you're married. I don't know how that whole thing got started. But it's just a symbol. Doesn't mean I'm married. It's a symbol. That's what baptism is. It doesn't mean you're saved. It's a symbol of your salvation. It's publicly declaring that you are saved. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. This is what Paul said. Follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus. This should be all of our life verses right here. If Jesus did it, it's good enough for me. If Jesus asked me to do it, I'm not gonna argue it. I'm not gonna question it. I'm just gonna follow his example. Here's where some of this plain talk comes in this morning. You know, I'm not, I'm not one of those hard preachers that likes to yell at you and spit at you and cuss at you and say, turn or burn, you know, anything like that. I don't do that. But there's no way getting around this verse right here. Someone may say, I'm a Christian, they may say I'm on my way to heaven, that I belong to Christ, but if he doesn't do what Christ tells him to do, he's a liar. Hey, listen to me. That's how serious God takes this. This is not follow, unfollow. This is not like, unlike. This is not if I'm gonna follow casually at all. And Jesus said, you know what? I'm willing to go to the cross for you. All I'm asking you to do is get wet for me is to go public with your, your faith. And that's what he asks us to do. The second reason is this, to demonstrate your changed life. That's what it does. Again, it's like putting on the wedding band of our faith. This is a demonstration 
of the fact that Jesus has, has changed you. I love the fact that in the old days, what they would do is they would go down to a river. Um, and it was a dirty river, by the way. It wasn't like how we do baptisms today in, in kind of clean water that has been slightly chlorinated and filtered and all that kind of stuff that's nice and clean. It didn't used to be like that, all right? In fact, uh, if you've ever gone to Israel, I did some baptisms in the Jordan River, and that's dirty. It's dirty. Fish are biting at your feet the whole time. Like, it's nasty. There's nothing clean about it, but wasn't wasn't the point, right? It was just, if something's the right thing to do, the right time to do it is right then. So oftentimes, the response was immediate, was spontaneous, and they would go down to the river, and what they would do is kind of this uh, this symbol in the old days too, they would wear something dirty into the water, but underneath they would have on this like clean white kind of robe. And they would dip straight down, take off this dirty garment, come up out of the water, white, clean, right? And let their dirty one float down the river. I think that's a wonderful picture of what baptism is. It's kind of dying to ourself, it's denying ourself and coming up a new creation in Jesus. It's just this, this picture to demonstrate your faith that Jesus has changed you. First Peter 3.21 says, in baptism we show that we've been saved. It's not being saved, it's not salvation, it's a show, it's a demonstration of it, saved from death and doom by the resurrection of Christ, not because our bodies are washed clean by the water, but because in being baptized we are turning to God and asking him to cleanse our hearts from Sin, And that's the step some of you need to take today. Here's the last one. And that's to declare my commitment publicly. And this is a big deal for God. As we read in Mark chapter eight, he said, if you're gonna be ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you when I get into heaven. That's why we make it public. Because Jesus says, I want you to follow me and I don't want you to be ashamed of it. And a lot of people will say, Colby, but my faith is private it's personal. It's just between me and God. And if that's what you've said, with all due respect, it's not. If you would ever say that my faith is personal and private, I could argue that you might not have faith at all. Because God's word tells us that we are to be a light on a hill. That we are to shine out for all to see. That we are now ambassadors, right, of Christ. That all our lives should be is that pointing to Jesus, it should be a demonstration, right, of our, of our faith. It should be this public commitment that we, that we make. Again, it would kind of be like, what if, here's, here's a good way to put it, what if I, every day before I left home, I took off my wedding ring? I'm gonna leave my house, I'm gonna take it off, I'll, I have a place in the garage, I'm gonna put it, get in my car, drive off. And I came back home, then I put it on, and I said, hey honey, I'm home. You think my wife's gonna have an issue with that? Like if I did that every day? I think so. Some of you are like, I don't know. She would, all right? I promise you. She's gonna be like, why is it when you leave this house, you take off your, your wedding ring, right? This is a public demonstration that, that I'm taking that you can't touch this. You know what I'm saying? Not that you were thinking that. That's what it is. And if I took it off all the time, she would have issues with that. Hey, if you've been saved, if you've said yes to Jesus, if you've given your life to him and you've, you've received the free gift of salvation, and he's just asking us to go public with that as a demonstration that we're followers of 
his. So, Colby, what do I do? You take your next step. You answer the phone, and then you take your next step. <laughs> you should answer it. I don't know where it was, but tell him you're about to get baptized. You should do that. <laughs> you're about to what? You take your next step. I want you to hear my heart in this. I'm not interested in playing church. None of us really are. We're not interested in, like, it's, it's great and we want to create environments, but you need to know there's so much more than that. That God constantly, consistently has other steps for us to take and to demonstrate the fact that we've been saved. And if you've never been baptized since making that decision to follow Jesus, I would encourage you to do that today. Now, I know there's all these excuses going through your mind right now why you can't do that. I'm about to crush all your excuses, all right? You guys ready? Um, can we bring up Ellie? Come on up here, Ellie. Everybody, welcome Ellie. She's gonna help me out. How's it going, Ellie? How's it going? So for those of you that would say, you know what? Um, no, hold that back. I'm gonna okay. need that back. Okay. Don't, don't put that down. Those of you that would say, you know what? I have some things to do. Like, yeah, I said yes to Jesus, you know, and I haven't been baptized since then, or, or I was baptized as an infant, you know, and, and I think I'm good. Again, you didn't publicly declare faith in a decision that you, that you possibly couldn't have made as an infant. But you would say, all right, well, you know what? I, I feel like that is my next step. I feel like I need to go public. I feel like, you know, I want to celebrate, you know, with, with those that, that Jesus changed me, that I want to follow his example. I want to go public with that. You might be saying, I, but I didn't bring anything. Colby, I'm not ready to do that. Well, don't worry. We got you covered because we have hundreds of, of this stuff, hundreds of these bags too available. And in these bags we have, we got towels. We got plenty of towels. So that's, that's not an excuse anymore. We have, we have t-shirts and all the, they all say, I have decided, and they're all dark T-shirts. They're all black T-shirts, and there's a reason for that. I'll let you figure that out. <laughs> we, have, we have dark shorts. Uh, again, there's a reason for that. We have all the products that you would need uh, before you go. Maybe, maybe some of you, um, well, we'll get to that. Uh, we have hair care. We have gel for those of you who like to gel your hair. We got hair dryers. We got underwear. We have boxers. We have women's underwear. We got sports bras. We have combs, brushes, uh, hair dryers, all that kind of stuff. Everything that you would say, well, I did not come prepared, we have for you. We have all the unmentionable items that I'm not going to mention because that's the whole purpose of being unmentionable, right? We have everything that you need. So again, no excuses. No excuses. If something's the right thing to do, the right time to do it is right now. I didn't come ready. That's okay. We're ready. God's ready. God wants you to take that step and publicly declare your faith. In fact, Ellie is not just helping me out. She's just not my helper. Ellie is actually going to go first. Are you ready for this? All right, come on down over here. So she's actually going to go first for us today. And something you should know about baptisms here at Elevate Church, this is not just a little golf clap kind of thing. This is a celebration. Let's encourage Ellie. Let's celebrate with her. Come on, Ellie.
check. There we go. My name is Ellie Vahey. Ellie, and who's your Lord and Savior? Jesus. All right, well, hey, Ellie, it's our privilege today to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for going first. Everybody stand to your feet, stand to your feet. With every head bowed, every eyes closed, right here in this moment, just ask God, God, where am I? And what's my next step to take? For some of you, you're a part of the crowd and maybe today you understand that God has brought you to this moment to once again tell you how much he loves you. Because he loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you, to pay for all your sins. Some of you came through these doors thinking that you are so far from God. They wouldn't want anything to do with you because of your past, because of your failures. It might even be because of your present, but here's what you need to know. For God so loved you just as you are, where you are, that he sent Jesus to pay for your sins, past present and future. And the Bible says the moment you call on his name and confess him as Lord, you will be saved. You'll start fresh. You'll move from the crowd to the, the congregation. You just got more steps to take in this, this journey. But the first one, the most important one is allowing Jesus to pay for your sins so you don't have to because he's already done it. And the way we receive that payment is through prayer. I invite you right now. Again, every head bowed, every eyes closed. If you'd say, this is why I'm here. I need this. I need to surrender my life. I need a fresh start with Jesus. This is where it begins for me. Colby, when you pray that prayer, I'm gonna pray right along with you. If that's you, would you just hold your hand up high? Just lift it up high. Praise God for you. Just hold it up high. So I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. I'm gonna start fresh right here. And right now, you, that's amazing. Put your hands down. You can repeat something like this. It doesn't have to be these exact words. You just cry out to him uh, in your heart or out loud. Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for saving me, for forgiving my sin. I put my trust for, for complete salvation in you and in your finished work on the cross. Thank you for dying for me. And thank you for, for now living for me, for being raised from the dead so I could be raised to new life as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, can you celebrate with those that made that decision? Awesome, awesome. Way to go, way to go. We're always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevatechurch.com.